If at any point you wish to sever the connection with this podcast, just close your eyes and imagine taking a pair of scissors and just snipping your headphones in half, and you'll be free from America's most socially distant podcast, The Pod People. I'm your host with the most ghosts, Matisse Van Rossum. I am America's favorite internet ghost, Ben Sheets. And I'm back from the asshole plane. It's Cleveland Mosier. How y'all doing? We got Good. him back. Yeah, thank you for our uh, listeners who, uh, whoever you were, who got the amulet and broke the space-time threshold and saved Cleveland. He's currently covered in a weird neon sort of smegma. Um, but he seems but I usually to be, am, so that's he, all right. Yeah, he seems to be in one piece. So. We've tried to hose him off, but it hasn't been working, so we just decided to leave him as is. So I've got a couple theories. I'm pretty sure I'm not the exact same Cleveland that y'all knew and loved. Um, the sponsor shelf, you know, as as it takes, it also gives, um, and uh, vice versa. So I'm pretty sure I'm from a parallel plane, and I'm still trying to figure out what the changes are you know what's what's going on in this realm what's what's different what are we going to find out and if uh either of y'all find out uh during the episode uh maybe we'll get a you'll get a special prize well it seems your fingers are half the length that they normally are yeah so. it's and kind your of a... toes are twice the length that they normally are wait is that not normal in your realm no. No? Not not our clean. You don't have little stub fingers? As you can see, our fingers are long Whoa, and beautiful. Oh, weird. No, too long. Those fingers are too long, man. No, you you need stubs. Stubs for my bubs, man. You I guess can't. the sponsor shelf returned the wrong cleave, but it'll have to make do. Oh, no, I want to go back. I don't like those long fingers. <laughs> I don't like those at all. Those aren't normal. Well, this week, we are talking about the new... 2020 Shutter exclusive film host, not to be confused with the host or the host or the host, but it's its own <laughs> film <laughs> directed by Rob Savage and starring Haley Bishop, Gemma Moore, Emma Louise Webb, Radina Drendova, Caroline Ward, and Salen Baxter. And um, this is a very interesting film for uh, the time that it's released. It's been uh, immensely popular. I got turned on to it because I saw that for several days it was the number one film on Letterboxd. Long-time listeners of the show will know that this is not our first foray into uh, Skype horror or Zoom horror. Uh, we've covered both of the unfriended films uh, in the past, so go back and listen to those episodes. But there's something different and special about this one uh, in the fact that not only is it a film that takes place uh, in real time over the duration of a Zoom call, but it was also made entirely in quarantine yeah entirely and, remotely yeah with social distancing and everything it's actually really impressive what they end up doing with the limitations that they have yes 
Uh, we'll definitely get into that. But this kind of came about because the uh, director, uh, Rob Savage, had made a short film uh, where he pranked several of his friends who he was on a Zoom call with being attacked by some some kind of entity in the attic and he didn't tell his friends what was going on so he got their uh their real reactions. This video went viral, and he was approached by Shudder to uh, turn it into a feature-length film. Although, feature-length is kind of a misnomer. This movie's, what, like 56 minutes long? Yeah. Uh, and Less than know, an hour? It definitely doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a, it's a tight 60, which, you know... Is in that weird middle ground between short and feature. Yeah. But I think for a movie like this, it's the perfect length. Yeah, I uh, did not feel like it was too short, uh, nor uh, nor did I uh, think that it was too long. I think that it was uh, pretty much the perfect length. Essentially, it is uh, a very cut-and-dry uh paranormal activity kind of uh, found footage film uh, where some friends who are uh, quarantining due to COVID decide to do a uh, a Zoom seance uh, as their weekly friend get-together. Spooky stuff happens. Um, in that sense, it's very simple. Uh, not entirely the most original premise. Uh, I think it, it falls into some of the uh, spooky ghost found footage horror movie tropes pretty easily, but I think considering the constraints that the film is under, it is remarkably successful. I didn't find myself really rolling my eyes at like, oh, I've seen this before, even though I have seen stuff like this before. They what do, do you guys a, think? They do a really good job of setting up everything really early on and every single little detail has its own little payoff, whether it's weird Snapchat-esque face filters or, yeah, you know... Yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Uh, ...inherent parts of the medium, like uh, lagging or uh, pre-recorded backgrounds. Yes. The attention um, to detail is excellent, like, across the whole film. I thought that uh, it was very well executed, and that's where many, if not most, of its strengths lie. Yeah. Apart from that, what I will say is it's not when it comes to the plot itself, it's not very rich or deep. No, um, it's it's very surface. It's very, very face value. Um, you get what you expect going in. It uh, was very reminiscent of uh like paranormal happenstance or whatever uh like it was very similar to uh paranormal activity it was very very similar um in that respect so when it first started up i was a little concerned because that has been done to death yeah and i was quite pleased i was never mortified i was never no. haunted i was never uh left you know uh in any chilled capacity but uh i was definitely jump scared several times and and of course you know it doesn't have to do any of those things for it to be good uh, or to be quality uh which it definitely was i think the production value alone is worth you know di diving deeply into i agree with a lot of that where i'll push back a little bit is i personally did find several sequences like pretty successfully spooky uh i was never uh, necessarily 
truly terrified it's hard to do that in a film but uh and when we start getting into like specific sequences i'll i'll address some of that stuff but i think considering that we have seen this kind of thing a lot and that it's been done to death i think it does a few particularly creative things with the medium that i think in terms of spooky effect work pretty well it is kind of heavy on the jump scares um yes and you know especially as things go on and escalate and get wild the believability yes of them still recording yes uh starts to come into it, question oh yeah thankfully <laughs> the film is short enough that it doesn't push you too far into that because by the time you're asking those questions the movie has like five minutes left it moves quickly enough that it doesn't leave you too long to ponder on it but yes uh a big criticism of found footage horror films always lies in why are you still recording why don't you put the fucking camera down you know all of this and some films handle that much better than others and this is definitely one where several times it's like come on like <laughs> you would add like not only would you no longer be recording but like you're going out of your way to like face your laptop or phone camera like towards what you're looking at specifically for the benefit of the audience yeah and it's like when you get into some of that yeah it starts it starts falling apart yeah. a little bit it's interesting how some of that stuff works while some other aspects of it fall on their face one element that I think actually worked in that respect was uh, when the girl is going to look in her attic yes. and she grabs her selfie stick so she can put it up into, you know, the attic without having to go yes. up herself. I thought that was kind of creative. That makes sense. Yeah, she hears something scary in the attic and rather than investigating it herself, she sticks her camera, her phone camera up there so her friends on the Zoom call can tell her what's up there. Little digital periscope. Yes, exactly. And in that instance, I think that that is a a creative workaround for that issue uh later <laughs> later it becomes much much less so well i think all of the narrative decisions uh service um entertainment yes. uh, like every every one of them does uh the if if someone was to you know, if they were to hang up, the movie would end like uh, there there there's and there's little a way around that, which, you know, of course, is sort of the conundrum with those films. And right. I think just throwing that aside and just saying uh, and just allowing the narrative to service the scares uh, yeah. and not vice versa is totally fine. Uh, generally, like I would prefer like the scares to service the narrative, but that's neither here nor there. That's probably our, our best example, but I don't hold anything against the film because for every one of those instances, again, like where you can easily justify it for the sake of the spooks, there's another instance of very good world building and uh, uh, attention to detail. So they, they care when they're able to highlight it, they choose to. And I appreciate that. A great example is the UK characters are calling uh, while daylight is still out. So you can tell that like the, the time of day syncs up yeah. across the board for everyone. Um, it's a small thing. But uh, well, considering that the film was 
recorded remotely everybody in their own apartments filming themselves that would make sense what we were seeing was the characters actual places where they actually live and there was a whole all kinds of like coaching and stuff so they could teach them remotely how to set up specific special effects so they could do it themselves which i think is uh pretty fucking cool yeah and i mean diy is like it's such a foundation of indie horror mm-hmm. that it's it's really cool to see it pushed onto this film out of necessity to the film's benefit and right. in a lot of ways i think i think this movie really really makes the most of the diy nature of all that stuff definitely i i wonder i'd i'd love to see some behind the scenes for this movie and like uh know like just how often they cut you know and what sort of little you know like uh tricks and techniques they would they would use to to sync that up because it it does feel like one continuous sequence there are a few times where like a you know like the the laptop gets spun around or something and they could very easily have like hidden a take there but largely it feels seamless well the the trick a lot of times is with Zoom calls, you know, you get that group shot and then you get individual cuts shots. On its own. Yeah, and they can cleverly use that to, yeah. uh, exactly. you know, separate shots That's and, probably where uh, many, without most. breaking the uh, and also stuff. And also just because of that aspect of Zoom, it allows you to get better reaction shots of the characters instead of just constantly working with the collage view that like when somebody is talking or something, it does cut to them so you get their reaction and that feels seamless i mean i think anybody who's been uh using zoom a lot these last few months which is a shitload of people will feel either a sense of comfort or a supreme sense of discomfort with this movie because uh, i think it's hard to not associate zoom with work in many ways (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's uh just the zoom interface is uh is kind of maybe uh inherently horrifying for a lot of uh working people it's very uh effective too uh and it feels uh, organic in when it cuts to the people's faces like it feels like it is just cutting it in a zoom call like it is like whenever someone is making noise you know often like it it cuts to a person's face um or it highlights that person i guess is a better way of of phrasing it and in tandem with the tension uh when it's effective for the audience to be looking at multiple images and trying to find anything in any of the the four or six people um the four or six shots which is really um engaging it's fun like flitting your eye around like looking for maybe something in the background that's gonna you know like hide in the shadows um as much as I, I'm fairly neutral towards jump scares, um, I, I, t- I tend to prefer like more quiet, dreadful films. But uh, I do love a sequence. Uh, I do love a good long hallway with a scary that might be in it. I, I do. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And this movie's riddled with it. Uh, like oh, yeah. lots of good setups for person in foreground and maybe something in the hallway behind. I, I think it was still one of my my favorite sequences of that is probably from a film like the strangers you know just like those those people you know yeah. they, they they first appear you know behind Liv tyler I, I i i'm a big old fan of that it's it's cheap and it's it's good and i i like it that's all <laughs> well let's uh let's get into characters and plot a little bit uh it's pretty simple um the uh characters are all uh using their real life actors names so that's easy uh we have Haley, who's our one american who is the one who knows uh this um 
this medium who is setting up the seance, and then her friends uh, Gemma, who is uh, kind of a, a, a prankster who does not um, take this shit seriously at all to uh, the rest of the character's detriment. We'll get into that. Uh, then we have Emma, which is, granted, a little bit confusing, having a Gemma and an Emma. It's a lot bit. <laughs> it's pretty confusing. Emma, who is uh, one of the ones who uh, is... Uh, Several of them are drinking a lot, but she's kind of one of the ones who's, like, very into the drinking game that they're playing. Well, I've got that, yeah, whenever anyone says astral plane. When, anytime the medium says the astral plane, take a shot, which is a pretty funny bit. And the way that they all try to, like, take shots just off camera so that they don't get spotted is good. Yeah, very believable. Um, we have uh, Radina, who lives with her boyfriend, uh, who we see arguing with him a lot. So uh, it's important to several instances that there's supposed to be somebody else in her apartment. Uh, and then we have Caroline, who is the scariest one out of all of them, who doesn't really want to do the seance because she's freaked out that something will happen. But, you know, some good-natured peer pressure convinces her that it's going to be okay, Spoiler alert, it's not. And then there's the the medium who uh, is uh, named Salen, who is kind of, uh, I like the way that they present her because she's kind of what you would expect from a medium, kind of like hippy dippy, new agey thing, uses the term astral plane a lot. But, um, you know, she's Scottish, so you can't trust her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, and she also uh, gets... uh, delivery in the middle of the yes. <laughs> yeah so the idea is uh and i think it's an inherently kind of ridiculous premise but uh also uh fun is that well you don't actually have to all be in the same room to have a seance you can have a, a seance via the medium of zoom uh you know so we get this whole thing with her like explaining what it's going to be, what you might feel, what you might experience, and, oh, if you start feeling uh, like you want to um, sever your connection with the astral plane, uh, do some, you know, mumbo-jumbo where you, like, envision a rope around your waist that, like, leads out your front door and imagine yourself cutting it with a pair of scissors or a knife or something. It's setting everybody up to be like, well, yeah, this is obviously, this is obviously fake. Like it, it's it's yeah. much too far fetched to be to be true. Um, but you know, Haley kind of insists that like, please don't be disrespectful. Like, take this seriously. It'll be fun, whether you believe it or not. Like. Salen really believes in this stuff. Like, this is what she does for a living. It's going to be rude if you don't take it seriously. Oh, and we forgot to mention Teddy, who is the the one the one uh, male member of the friend group uh, who uh, comes up with the drinking game and uh, who gets cut off early in the seance because his girlfriend or fiance or whatever uh, shows up and like uh, pulls him away. But he makes a a reappearance later yeah what did you guys think of the characters overall did you find them believable believable yeah. very uh were they annoying to you guys no well well yes uh 
in a way that I was supposed to be annoyed by yeah, certain by design. Ones. Yeah, always um, yes. by design. Yes, I agree. I think they did a good job. I think what helped with it is a lot of them were using their real names. Yeah, and it feels like they were just playing themselves in a lot of respects, or maybe exaggerated versions of themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was I I was curious like how much of this was improv and how much of it was scripted um and it was like they were working off of a of a real script but improvisation and stuff was encouraged to make it feel more natural like there's one point where uh something spooky happens and then Haley sneezes, kind of breaking the tension. That was a uh, a non-scripted moment. She actually did sneeze, <laughs> and they just kind of let it roll. And honestly, like that, I thought that was one of the most authentic like moments of like breaking the spooky tension with like, oh, well, you might be scared, but you still got to sneeze. That stuff I liked a lot. Also, I did see that everybody in the film received different redacted versions of the script so that certain things that were going to happen only the the actor their actor or actress who was in who had like set up that thing would know it was going to happen so oh, they could like get an alien fashion so they could get authentic Excellent. reactions well, and stuff that really plays off of the director's viral video right because, exactly you know that's the whole premise of the original and i think that's a really clever way of going about it yes so that is the basic premise um, what happens once they start the seance is there's this moment where uh, Gemma feels something touch her and and says that she's getting a name, Jack, and there's this uh, – there was a boy who she went to school with who was nice to her named Jack and that he, he hung himself. And uh, then the medium's internet goes out. She gets dropped from the call and Gemma admits to the other uh, girls that she made that up that there was nothing happening it was boring it was just them sitting in dark rooms with candles so she wanted to to make it a little bit more exciting but what's this then some spooky stuff starts happening (laughs) some scary things and and we see several times what appears to be the the specter of a young man hanging you know, hung by a noose. So if she made it up, what's going on? And we get the explanation when uh, Salem the medium comes back and they, they have her, uh, after some, some scary stuff has happened, they have Gemma admit that she made it up. And the, uh, the, the world building or the lore or whatever we get is that if you have an open connection to the spirit realm and you make up a ghost or a spirit, <laughs> essentially what you're doing is you're creating like a mask that something can inhabit and enter the world. So like a demonic spirit can sort of inhabit this this shell of the fake spirit that you've created. Which is great. Like, it's a yeah. very fun idea. I was going to ask how that struck you guys, because it sounds kind of ridiculous, but 
Oh, it's I, hokey I'll, as fuck, but who cares? It's but fun. But I also think it's kind of cool. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's clever. Yeah. 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 I, okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me, because I think that would that would be something easy to laugh off, but it's like, oh, They didn't wow. need to yeah. do it. You know, like, it could have just been, like, we did a seance, we entered the spectral realm, and, like, a demon showed, showed up. It didn't, they didn't have to give it, like, that additional world building and flavor and shit, and uh, good for them and for it. it. And it like, I, it, I appreciate it. And it makes it feel, I think, a little bit more authentic as well because if they had just accidentally summoned a demon or whatever it would be like well why does does this woman as a medium have a job if you can just like open up a connection to the spirit realm and a demon's just gonna come through and and kill you it's like no you have to do something wrong specifically and because she was dropped from the call she wasn't able to tell them that and because they weren't taking it seriously so it was their 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 own lack of seriousness that in fact invited the evil in yeah they 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 fucked up the incantation yeah i I love that yeah i thought it was cool Yeah. yeah yeah same Okay, so that is that is the the important narrative information. Let's start talking about some specific sequences. Yeah. What did some some spooks, some scares? What did you guys think? Scarequences. Scarequences. Sequence. <laughs> Sequence scares. There we go. What what were some scary set pieces that you guys found particularly effective? There's a, there's a couple to talk about. One of my favorites is early on in the movie, um, one of the characters, I can't remember their name, they make a video of their background. Yes, that's Caroline. Yeah, Caroline makes a Caroline. video of her uh, background to look like she's uh, checking her cabinet and kind yeah, of walking she, like, about, in, yeah. checking her phone. And, you know, it's a pre-recorded video loop to play behind her. And when things start going awry, at one point, that video loop starts playing. And at first, you're just like, oh, she's there, whatever. And right. then you realize, oh, hey, that's the same loop as up. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they set yeah. that up. And out of nowhere, suddenly... Like the Data moshed through yeah, the, the image. The like... video breaks as she goes through the uh the keyed out background uh yes. and you see her bloodied face smashing and into the computer yeah on top over, of that over and over yeah, again it's, it's really well done it, a couple minutes after that you get that part where you know you uh still see the video background and then suddenly you see chunks of text sent uh th- to the the channel essentially yeah uh to the group and you're like, these are weird, random strings of text. What's going on? And then uh, suddenly the video breaks through again and you realize uh, her head is being slammed against the, keyboard, the keyboard and yeah. sending Fuck. those messages. I thought that I was missed that detail. That's really incredibly smart. effective. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. And that is a, a fantastic, just one of several examples of like the ingenuity and using the medium of Zoom specifically and also in a culturally relevant way during the pandemic because you see just online and YouTube and Twitter and stuff like people doing shit like that where they make pre-recorded videos of themselves to use their background and then do like funny stuff with it. So it's like that's that's an aspect of the culture that has 
arisen around Zoom that they used to make a really effective scare sequence. Thought that was awesome. What about you, Cleve? What was a sequence that you uh, w- that you were well, particularly into? I think I think that the doppelganger background is 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 probably the 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 creepiest of them all. Honestly, I think the thing that gave me the creeps the most was probably stuff that wasn't even actually there. Um, like any artifacting in the background that like could have been like a dark shadow or something moving across is probably what spooked me the most. If we're being real, like probably the yeah my my mind trying to build imagery was probably the scariest thing about it and i i think there's a lot you can do with that a lot more that could be done with that as well but everything with ted is fun it's uh, by then it's the top stuff. yeah it's it's all very like uh haunted housey by then which i think does describe this movie uh pretty well it's, it's a well-made haunted house mm-hmm. but Definitely. oh other sequences um one sequence the floating mask yeah i was yeah. about to say that one's awesome that was my probably my favorite sequence yeah so to to explain it a little bit more you know they set up the almost sort of snapchat filter masks facial recognition yeah. that puts mm-hmm. some kind of and silly face on uh, you that pays off later when one of the characters scans the room and they see a mask with no person connected to it and obviously as a viewer your mind goes to oh it's recognizing a ghost there right well what's particularly effective is like because you know there's all kinds of fun stuff like playing around with those facial recognitions and see like what it recognizes as a face and what it doesn't but this the the mask stays stationary like regardless of her moving around it so you know it's not just like the camera finding weird shapes or patterns that it thinks is a face it's like it's recognizing a face that we can't see and it, it turning to look at her is a little bit hokey but like overall that whole sequence is extremely well done i thought it was really creepy when it yeah. turned and faced her that's the turning point in the in the sequence where you go from oh maybe this is a glitched out face recognition thing to yeah s- to realizing oh no it's this is actually yeah. something malicious and it's a it's a creepy mask. It's like uh like a weird makeup <laughs> face. Yeah. No, it's spooky. I uh I I like that and um like other uses of the the facial filters like Emma is the character who keeps using the the facial filters and at one point she like forgets to turn it off and it's like uh she's like hiding under her blankets like crying and and cowering and it's just got like a reptile face on her face like sticking its tongue out and i thought that was really uh that was a really fun touch it's kind of silly but also once again adds that nice little uh layer of authenticity um to double back just a little bit um to some of the more subtle stuff like you were talking about cleveland I still couldn't quite tell if this was intentional or not, but did you guys notice that, like, at certain points, like, different people's cameras would be kind of, like, breathing a little bit, like, kind of going in and out of focus? 
I noticed that a lot, and I was trying to figure out if it was, like, an intentional thing, like it was supposed to be, like, heralding the presence of the ghost when the camera was kind of, like, struggling to find focus. It was, like, maybe sensing that other presence in the room. Still can't tell if that was intentional or if it was just, like, a Zoom thing or just, like, cameras being cameras. Yeah. Did did you guys notice that at all? I mean, if... It was intentional. It's like a really subtle thing. Yeah, it's so subtle that I don't, I don't think it reads super. Yeah, that was a, super well either way. That's why I was kind of confused about it because I like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But then when it never has a payoff, I'm like, is that even something intentional that I'm looking yeah. at, or is that just? Well, on the other side of the spectrum, for things that try to be played off as part of the medium of zoom yeah uh but is done very unsubtly in my opinion is a lot of the sound effects and backing sound like when when spooky things are about to happen it almost sounds like there's a geiger counter in the background like it has that crackling Oh, wavy sound. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. and it's a kind of like audio distortion. Yeah, 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 and it's it's obvious. You know, that's supposed to symbolize the presence yeah. being there, but it's very not subtle. It's very, <laughs> uh, you know, unlike the zooming in and yeah, out. Yeah, it's telegraphing right. for sure. I didn't mind that too much. I agree, it's not particularly subtle, but you know, at least they were not entirely neglecting sound did a chair hit salem did a chair hit her yeah because like something appears in like the the top right of the screen like falling towards her i thought her bookshelf yeah it looked like something fell off of a shelf that's like when she get when she loses internet the first time before they explain that she like that Gemma made up the the ghost thing what happens to Salen? I've already forgotten. Does she... Because she comes back after, like, over she the phone. Does, yeah, she does come back later, and then I think she comes back on the video, too, doesn't she? And she's, like, trying to tell them how to cut the connection or whatever, and then something happens to her that so she can't. She get killed? I can't remember. Okay. She's the only one I can't remember what happens to her. I can't pinpoint it either. Well, it's obviously not important then. Yeah, I <laughs> um, think her, her fate was sealed. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> oh, uh, one other, you know, bit is Gemma, the, the prankster. Yes. She uh, ends up leaving her apartment. Yes. And going to... Haley's. Haley's apartment. Because it's established at the beginning. I think they live in the same building or close by or something, yeah, right? Yeah, they're neighbors yeah. at least. Yeah. And she's still recording this whole time. Right. And she breaks into the apartment by throwing something through the window, which is foreshadowed in the beginning when she's throwing stuff yes. at the apartment to I get like Haley's attention. And she gets in there. She's looking around, and immediately she gets knocked out. By a- <laughs> yeah, like a wine bottle or something just flies off the shelf and smashes. I I found that that was cartoon that shit. bit very funny. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was intentionally funny, <laughs> no, but it was I, very I funny. Agree. That was it's very slapstick. <laughs> yeah, I was like uh, iTunes. I uh, I thought um, it was funny. I I don't know if it was funny in a successful way or not. Um, but that when before she runs out. 
out of the house, she still remembers to put on her her PPE mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like even though she's being chased by a ghost, she remembers to put the mask on. But but she doesn't put it over her fucking nose. So what's even the point? <laughs> Well, I think we're about ready to to talk about like the ending and some of the more uh, over the top stuff, like Teddy's death. Yeah, is there anything else you guys want to talk about before that? I don't think so. Um, no. Nope. Yeah. So uh, Teddy comes back into the call, like well into the the spooky and scary stuff. Um, you know, he tries to freak them out by like cutting his camera on and like uh, having a, a puppet like dance in front of it um but you know he's they're trying to tell him like hey something spooky is going on and he doesn't believe it it's the old there's a monster right behind you right exactly um and then uh yeah he gets uh his shit gets rocked in like a major way that's the first time that we see we really see like the the spooky ghosts yeah Um, well i mean every time we see it it's it it takes sort of a different form well yeah like it's, it's many faces the first few Many times masks. the first few times we see it it's like the the hanging boy um but then when it shows up in Teddy's house it's a, a more like outwardly demonic kind of form and that's where it's just like fucking jump scares galore yep. one after another it's like he's running up the stairs and then all of a sudden the demon's on the stairs and then he runs back downstairs and then he's hiding under the pool table and the, the demon's under the pool table and then he runs out outside and we get this this i think was was too much when we see his girlfriend or his wife or whatever (laughs) like levitated into the air levitated like 20 feet above the swimming pool and then it like breaks her neck and she falls into the pool it's like i i did not want that much from this movie i wish they had kept that a little (laughs) bit more subtle i will say pretty impressive to do under quarantine i guess they did it but, they, they done did it somehow uh, uh yeah the that whole teddy's whole and then know, teddy gets set on fire yep which is kind of a cool effect but i think teddy's whole third act arc is very very paranormal activity yes in kind know? of a bad way yes i would agree i think it it's very haunted house like you were saying cleave it it feels like a ride at that mm. point. I mean, in, in that in that sense, like it's it's effectively done, I suppose. Yeah. I don't. I when I say that it's like paranormal activity in a bad way, it's just like not what I particularly wanted from this movie. You know, in terms of the the effects and the execution. Like once again, you know, it's fine. It's a spooky haunted house. Teddy getting set on fire is a little bit ridiculous, but. You know, whatever. And then we uh, we cut back to uh, Gemma and Haley who are in the apartment because uh, earlier we see Haley get like dragged out of the room, uh, which it, that is very paranormal activity. Um, and we assume she's dead, but you know Gemma comes to after being bashed by the wine bottle and finds that Haley is chill. She's cool. She's fine. I don't know why in that instance the demon didn't kill her. It just kind of dragged her into another room and oh, left her there. Demons always play with their food. That's that's the whole idea. I guess so, yeah. Uh, they they're they're tricksters. They like to they they want to fuck around. So like yeah, like the the demon isn't like, you know, like a 
like a, a super soldier yeah. or anything. It's not trying to kill as quickly and efficiently as possible. It's trying to be a demon and it's fuck around. To, it's trying to be scary. Yeah. yeah. So um, you get away with it. Well, they they end up together, and uh, Gemma is still filming for some reason, and uh, the the power goes out in Haley's apartment, and they do the uh, the extremely tropey thing of using the flash on a camera to uh illuminate the the dark space as they they move through it like the old fatal frame (laughs) the old fatal frame you know (laughs) they've done that and they did that in fucking mama they did that in fucking saw the original one like that's been done to death um but at least like it makes sense for the character like i feel like she would it's established, yeah, when they first get on the call, she says, everybody smile, and then takes a Polaroid of, like, the collage view of the Zoom screen or whatever. And, you know, of course, as they move into the living room, one of the times when she flashes, uh, the demon is there, as as we expect. However, where I think that that particular ending works better than it does in other films is once again due to the particular aspects of zoom in this case namely that uh the free version of zoom limits you to 40 minute calls um which they obviously fudge a little bit because this movie is like 50 something minutes but uh you know i'm not counting too closely but in those last couple of minutes we see it like alerting them like your meeting's about to be over upgrade to zoom pro or zoom premium or whatever so you can have uh, you know uh as long meetings as you want and so like as they're walking through the hall snapping pictures you've got this little timer in the top of the of the screen counting down and of course on the very last second when she takes the picture and the demon is there and attacks them it it cuts off yeah which uh, (laughs) Which is is very tropey and very you know blumhousey right uh but I thought it was fun. I thought it was kind of a clever twist on that. Well, yeah, that's 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 my point exactly, because the tropey thing to do is to, when you're doing that, to either cut to the next scene or just cut to credits. And in this case, there's a non-narrative reason for it because of the technology that they're using. So in that case, I don't, even though it's tropey, I don't hate it because uh, it's, it's fun. And then uh, for the credits... They just pull up the Zoom participants and scroll through them, and it's everybody who's in the film. And I, I noticed who's scrolling. Is it the demon? Yeah, <laughs> Is the demon be. making sure everyone gets credited? Uh, I like to going, imagine yeah. there's one person on the Zoom call that just had their camera muted the whole time and they were just watching everything. Like, oh shit yeah damn this is crazy <laughs> damn this is crazy uh, i i do i do want to mention that when the film first booted up i knew nothing about it going in and i thought that it was like a bad torrent and that like someone had just like you know put up a screen cap program and <laughs> yeah like, we like, watched like it on we watched it on yeah. shutter that's the funny thing it's <laughs> for once we didn't torrent it yeah. <laughs> but yeah i i noticed uh in the credits that there were uh there were a grand total of 46 people involved in the production of this movie so um honestly a larger crew than i would expect 
but still for a movie like this that's a a, a pretty a pretty small cast and crew yeah. so yeah a solid they, they half of them little... were compositors or vfx people yeah which makes exactly sense. or like consultants and yeah. stuff that like taught these people how to set up like the specific special effects that they were using mm-hmm. um it's it's funny you mentioned uh, uh you compared it to blumhouse uh ben because i did see yesterday on twitter an article that was saying that uh rob savage the director just signed a three movie deal with blumhouse i mean that's blumhouse's wheelhouse at this point. for sure you know, you pick, honestly you pick up someone after a viral video or yeah you know even uh after they make a movie after a viral video right you know look at lights out for example exactly Started as a viral video they picked it up from there and i think that dude is still making movies for blumhouse I think, I think he made he one is, of the Annabelle. He did do movies. one of the Annabelles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, no fucking disrespect. Like, uh, I, it's good for Rob Savage. He's fucking getting his bag. And I think it's good for Blumhouse. I'm curious to see what he's going to be able to do outside of this medium. Or if they'll it's, have him do a paranormal activity. Well, I did. Reboot. It's funny you mentioned that because I did also just see that there is a paranormal activity reboot in the well, works. Well. So <laughs> I have a question for you guys. So this is a burgeoning subgenre of burgeoning, uh, extremely online movies, or yes. you know, internet-only movies. You know, we have some with uh, unfriended. Or searching, uh, yeah, from which we never saw. Or I did. Do you think uh, the subgenre holds weight? Do you think there's more uncharted potential there? Yeah, absolutely. With like desktop movies like this, yeah. yes, I I do. I I absolutely do. I think I think you could do like a whole film of it as like a solo call, as like someone just recording like the events as they came, like and doing screen share on their their computer and like. You know, going through footage. There's some neat stuff that you can do with like a desktop screen share film. Runtime being short, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. But because uh, I think I think it's it's not easy to do in a two hour framework. But uh, there are ways you could you could cheat around it. You could have the the person like on a pull up videos or whatever else like that if they're documenting something. I think yeah, I, I think that there there are cool things that could be done with the genre. Do I know if they'll be done? Will there probably be a lot of hacks and a lot of like copycats? Yeah, yeah. I think I think definitely. But there's always something new is, you can do. Is in that type of movie the new found footage? I mean, genre <laughs> subgenre. Perhaps I think that this there is mileage to be gotten out of this, but I think for it to be enduring and successful, you have to find really creative filmmakers who have like really new ideas because I think it's at a certain point it's hard to do something new with this even between this film and the un- both the unfriended movies that we've talked about on the podcast they all center around like ghosts it's all like internet ghost shit and at a certain point if you keep making that movie over and over it becomes not good yeah you well know? they play around with it a little bit with uh, the unfriended sequel yes, yes being like yeah. the dark web yeah that I one's thought, really that one the, the ghost thing in that is is more of a bait and switch yeah that one's which not I, really... I i think is an interesting route and i think right. it's an example of you know how you can 
vary the subgenre a little bit more. Yeah. I guess folks I... like same but different. What what made this work is it is same uh, to paranormal activity, but different in that it's it's a Zoom call instead of like a nanny cam. I guess I guess what I what I mean more specifically is that once you you do something in this format it's hard to do it again successfully. Yeah. Like the ghost thing. I don't want to see another ghost. One of these movies, it's going to have to be something different. I'm, I'm still with, open to it, but with like the dark wet, like the uh, unfriended dark web thing, that was a cool new idea that did something different that was still spooky, but now I've seen it. Now I don't particularly mm-hmm. want to see it again. Yeah. You know? So it's like every time you come up with a new idea, your limitations are, suddenly much smaller um and i think that this specific movie could not have been made at any other time you know what i mean it's extremely contingent upon the pandemic and like the sort of new norms that the pandemic has instilled you know mm-hmm. like if this movie had come out last year before the pandemic i don't think it would have been as effective or interesting you know i agree so, i 100 percent agree i i'm curious I think this movie is really made in its limitations you know and i guess extending off of that do you guys think this movie will age well do you think that watching it five years from now will be like, oh shit, yeah, man, remember times back then, remember how things were when you couldn't leave the house, or do you think as we get more distance from that, it's going to sort of like fall into obscurity? I think it's a really cool time capsule. Yes, it does a great job of maintaining itself. Um, anytime something like Zoom-related occurs, it's framed. Um, yeah. like it, it is always built around context. I think, I think that time, uh, timefulness was a consideration in the writing. Uh, like the, the dual call thing when, um, Emma, I think, uh, like, like has it up on her phone and at the same time, Oh, Gemma, uh, yeah. her phone and her laptop at the same time. We, you know, uh, that's, that's handed to us. Like it is, it, it, we, we have it explained and all the rest. And I think it is so like down the road, it is, it will still be watchable, um, and, I think, and, uh, and relatable. I think you guys are right. And I think that that is, also because of the cultural norms when it was made and when it was released. It makes a much better time capsule than something like The First Unfriended does, Mm -hmm. which is heavily reliant on, like, Facebook and shit. And, like, the farther and farther we get away from that, the worse that that's going to age. Whereas something like this, it's like, well, Zoom blew up because of the pandemic. Well, and one other reason I think it's a good time capsule is it has a very solid understanding of its medium in Zoom. I think if you look back on early 90s and 2000s internet-based movies, uh, they have a sense of camp to them Mm -hmm. because their understanding of the internet is so separate from our current understanding of the internet totally you know if you look at a movie like uh, fear.com.com or hackers it's just silly you know and i think those movies have their their fun in camp but it's not in the same way that it was originally intended Whereas this movie, I think, will hold up down the line because it understands its medium 
And even if the mediums change down the line, it will still be a faithful reconstruction of current Zoom. And also, I think for for like future generations to to kind of see the constraints and like get a little glimpse into what life was like during this pandemic, because it's like this is not something any of us are ever going to forget. Like, how how can we forget being like forced to be cooped up in our homes for fucking six (laughs) months now, you know, running on six months, but definitely longer by the time this whole thing is over, if it ever ends at all. So I think that uh, in that respect, it's like for like future fans of horror who are not born yet or who are too young to remember this, it'll be like, oh yeah, cool. This was a movie that was made when crews couldn't get together to make films. They had to do it all remotely and stuff. And I think that is pretty cool. You guys ready to rate? Do you have anything else? Uh, Yeah, I'm ready to rate. Cool. Well, uh, this was my pick, so I will start. Yeah, you know, it is uh, a nice tight, fun, uh, if slightly unoriginal, uh, spooky horror movie, but, uh, I think uses its medium to its maximum potential, uh, and as we were just talking about, uh, serves as a really nice, uh, uh, scary time capsule for the time we're living in. I'm gonna give this a four. I'm gonna mirror that. I think it's a four. I think it's a really great use of the medium. I think it's one of the better, desktop horror movies out there and i it definitely doesn't overstay its welcome in its runtime i think it's a lot of fun i think if you have shutter it's definitely worth checking out yeah i liked it <laughs> I, I liked it a lot i thought it was a very well crafted haunted house uh do i want to give it a four uh or a 3.5 <laughs> it is fun to 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 buck the trend but but also i think i think i'll just no i'll, I'll go to it's a solid four it's not my usual kind of film. Like I said, I, I tend to prefer something a little more or quiet, a little more uh, chilling. But uh, the spooks were fun and they were good jump scares. Uh, you know, you, you can do those. It, it is allowed and it is possible. And here's a great example. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes, like, while it's fun to dive in the depths of the ocean, it can also be nice every now and then to uh, stand ankle deep in the pond. And, you know, I think <laughs> this, is, uh, this is one of those movies where it doesn't need to be deep. It doesn't need to be particularly impactful beyond, like, just what it is. I think you can take it at face value and have a good time. Yeah. Not to go on too much of a, a tangent here, but... Do you guys remember that one movie? I can't remember its name for the life of me, but it was about like an MMO video game where if you die in the game, you die, die in real, real life. life. Yes, that came out in like 2004 yes. or something like that. I yes. think yeah, that, I quote it all the time. Uh, what was what the movie? What the fuck was I never saw it, but I remember the trailers. What the fuck was that movie called? Uh, it came and went. Yeah, no, I remember. It might be the funniest representation of the internet one yeah. of the <laughs> funniest early representations i mean hackers is pretty good for that hackers too. is also very good you know and going through the tubes of the internet and let's not forget uh the reigning champion of lowest rated film on this podcast fear.com.com <laughs> still even though we watched it on our second episode still the worst film we've ever talked about on this podcast um <laughs> Yeah, that's a unanimous four out of five uh, for host. 
Stay Alive was Stay that Alive. Movie? Yes, that's what it yeah, was. that's what it was. What that, a weird movie. Yeah, fuck. Um, well, uh, next week, uh, it is your choice, Cleve. What are we going to talk about? Oh, fuck. Yeah, uh, it is. I'm a little torn, but I think, I think I'm actually going to go with a film called Karasu uh, Inhuman Kiss. It's a, um, I believe, a uh, Thailand uh, horror film. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it. It involves floating heads, and uh, I've never even heard of it. That uh, which is a rarity. Normally, I'm the one who just picks like the the generic shit, but not this time. Not this time. We're going with uh, Karasu Inhuman Kiss. Karasu Inhuman Kiss. Okay, cool. Well, uh, yeah. Tune back next week to see what the fuck that's all about. And apologies <laughs> if I pronounced it wrongly. Incorrectly, we're so good at pronunciation here on this show. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, um, Cleveland. The last couple of weeks, while you've been in the sponsor shelf, we haven't gotten any dang money. So you're going to need to pull out a, a good sponsor this time to make up for the the last two weeks. So uh, who's paying us? And uh, 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 well, uh, apart from peer pressure, um, uh, this week is brought to you by um, feet that are just right. Are you tired of having feet that are just wrong? <laughs> fix it and fix it yourself with Dale Burton's Burtacular uh, brick for your foot. <laughs> Smash it. Smash it till it's right and fix your foot. That's all you got to do. It's that easy. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we're very happy to be sponsored by uh, Just Feet Just Right, uh, Dale Burton's Burton Brick Brick Smasher. Uh, well, smasher. I, I think that was the name. Unfortunately, the uh, the the letter read that I had uh, for the pot, for the episode um, sponsored just uh, combusted. I, I don't. I don't know what that means. Um, That's what we've come to expect around here. Yeah. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you like the show, hit the five stars on Apple Podcasts, share an episode with somebody, leave us a nice review. You can follow the show on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those episodes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Deep State Ozzy. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm occasionally tweeting for Light Arc Studio as we further progress on It Stares Back. We're, we've got some cool stuff cooking up as usual, um, and we're just getting that nice bit of polish on it. Um, and uh, you can find my work on ArtStation uh, if you search Cleveland Mosier. And, uh, yeah, these days I am no longer uh, open for freelance in the same capacity as I am doing a lot of work with Dread XP on cool video game stuff as well. So if you want to see some more of my work, uh, check out Dread XP and uh, the Dread Collection, uh, too, and uh, other stuff soon to come. And I believe that's it for me. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I do want to reiterate also, uh, you know, do the old... It's not like and subscribe, but it's share with a friend. Yeah. You know, in the podcast format, that's what you say. But, uh, you know, it does I mean, the I body guess, good. I guess subscribe if you're not already subscribed. I just assume people subscribe to shows they listen to these days. But, yeah, like and subscribe. Yeah, do that. It does, <laughs> it does the body good. All right. Well, 
Thank you for listening. Tune back next week for whatever that movie we're going to be watching is. And Crossu and Human Kiss, my friend. And uh, speaking of Inhuman Kisses, good night. <laughs>